Hallelujah. Let's just open the Lord, open this time in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for this moment. We thank you that you come near, Lord. We thank you for your kindness and your goodness. Would you just walk through this room, Lord, and and touch every heart like only you can do? I pray, Lord, that this would not just be a conversation, but that your anointing would fall in this place. And that there, I just declare breakthrough, strongholds to come down. I pray for healing. I pray for clarity of mind, Lord. And most of all, we pray for salvation in this house this day. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Personally, I've been walking through... Um, a rough time, and I can see how the enemy would want to attack me and tell me that I'm not blessed. Um, many of you know I've been dealing with some chronic back pain for some time, and I've gone to professionals for help. I'm actually going to go to Lahaina next week to see my fourth chiropractor. Um, I've gone to physical therapy and massage therapy, and I've self-diagnosed and I've self-treated, and I thought I could, I thought I figured it out, but clearly I haven't because I'm standing here and I still have this back pain and it's not a constant back pain it's it's an intermittent it comes in ebb, ebbs and flows and I think even that is the mercy and the grace of God God is so merciful and he's so gracious and I just wondered if anybody has been there I wondered if anybody's been searching I wondered if anybody ever gone through something and really couldn't find the answer I wondered if anybody has been in conflict and and they're just confused and and they need a touch from God. Amen. A few months ago after morning prayer on Sunday, um, Pastor Jay looked at me and he said, you know what, I'm practicing hearing the voice of God. He said, and I, I, I think, I feel like there's a spirit of infirmity on you and you need to cast it out. And so, you know, I took that to heart, I went home and I prayed and I asked the Lord, I was like, what, what is this spirit? I, I don't want any other spirit but your spirit. Amen? And so I looked it up and this is what I found. An infirmity, which we all kind of have an idea of, right? A sickness and illness. This is a specific um, definition. An unsound or an unhealthy state of the body. Okay, that's one thing. Another thing, a weakness of the mind or a failing. And I thought, yeah, my, my back hurts, you know, and, and I'm doing my stretches and I'm already in that place. So I'm in the posture of prayer and I'm asking the Lord for his healing and I, and I do that regularly. And then I come to church the very next week and pass and Auntie Patrice comes up to me and she says the very same thing. And, you know, women have a lot more emotion than men. And so there was a lot of emotion attached to her as she prayed over me. And my spirit was stirred. And I said, Lord, what is this? What is this, Lord? I've had this back pain since April. It's May, June, July. This happened about August and September. And I was like, Lord, what is this? And I heard God say, you're carrying a spiritual weakness on you, that unless you release it, unless you break down the straight stronghold, unless you break through this barrier, then you will live beneath what I have called for you. And let me just tell you, it's something that I've been stirring in my spirit. And he led me to a passage in scripture that I've been studying for months now. 
And finally, after receiving some lifting in my spirit, he said, I need you to share that with the church. Because it's not just... It's not just the word for you. There are people in this room that are carrying a spiritual weakness that unless we break through the lies of the enemy, we will live beneath what God has for me and for you. And I said, God, I, 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 I don't want any other spirit. I want the spirit of Caleb. I want the spirit of Joshua. Remember Caleb and Joshua? They had a different spirit. They were the only children in their generation that got to receive the promised land. Everybody else didn't get to enter. But them two got to because they had a different spirit. And if we're not careful, we'll live beneath all the promises that God has for us and be wandering or at least living less than. I want to see the glory of God in my life. How about you? And so I'm standing here today wondering if God would use my mess to bring forth a message. I I heard a quote that says, if you're hanging on by a thread... Make sure it's the hem of his garment. And that's the passage of scripture that the Lord has been so graciously ministering to me through. It's a a story of the woman with the issue of blood. And when he first revealed it to me, when I opened the scripture, most, most likely, like many of you, I thought, oh, I know this scripture, and I really don't relate to her. I mean, I, I guess a little bit she had an ailment. I have an ailment, but not much further than that. And he said, there's more that you can relate to her than you realize, and I want you to dig in deep. This scripture is found, this passage is found in Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 5, and Luke chapter 8. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5 today. And although this is a familiar story, I believe that God has a revelation for me and for you. I've had this on my heart for a couple of weeks, like my husband has said, but I didn't get the the privilege of being able to share it with you until today. And so I strongly believe that it is a word for you for today. God is not a God of... um, um, He's he's a timely God. Amen. And so he has something for you. And the revelation of God is simply a revealed knowledge. So open your hearts and your mind as as we dig into this passage because God has something for you. Um, The woman with the issue of blood. First of all, anybody got issues? I thought, oh man. I I guess I do relate to her. There's there's another tally, right? Um, We relate to her already. It's actually a two-part story of a miracle within a miracle. Two people with two different encounters, but very much connected. Mark chapter 5. The heading in my Bible says, A dead girl and a sick woman. A dead girl and a sick woman. If you're taking notes, write that down. The correlation between the dead girl and the sick woman. When Jesus had had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. 
Then one of the synagogue rulers, named Jairus, came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. In Luke's gospel, it says, My 12-year-old daughter. Somebody say 12. My 12-year-old daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her that she might be healed and live. And so Jesus went with them. The large crowd followed and pressed around him. I studied about the cities and the towns during this time and found that the roads um, that they traveled were very, very narrow. And the, um, the homes were very close together. And so... Um, the crowd was pressing in on every side as they had, had been walking to Jairus's house. Um, they all were waiting for Jesus. They all weren't just following Jesus, but there was a demand that they wanted from him. They knew that he was a healer. They knew that he had something that he could give them. And um, in, in Luke's gospel, it says that they, it almost was like it was suffocating as they walked through to Jairus' house. Let's keep reading. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Somebody say 12. This woman with the infirmity had dealt with her issue for 12 years, so long so that it had stolen her identity. My situation is not as dramatic, but every time someone sees me now, they ask me, how is my back? How's your back? How are you feeling? How's things going? For this woman, she had dealt with her issue for so long, it had stolen her identity. She was called the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't even have a name. She was labeled by her pain, and she was labeled by her problems. And I believe society has a tendency to do that to us, don't they? Label us by our pain. Have you ever been labeled by your past? Your past mistakes? Have you ever been labeled by your bad habits? Oh, she did that, she'll probably do it again. Labeled by your hang-ups? Labeled by your heartache? The law then which can be found in the book of Leviticus, explains the severity of this woman's illness. She was no longer connected to her family. She was no longer a part of her community. She was not allowed in the synagogues to worship our Savior. She wasn't allowed in the marketplace. And anyone who touched her, who made contact with her, was infected or was considered unclean. She had no intimacy no community. And just for a moment, I, I had a glimpse of the church and the world who so desperately needs a savior. And I thought, you know what? If we are not careful, we will operate on our religious indignation and we will judge people on our high horse by the disease of their sin and we'll say, oh, we can't be by you. I don't want to touch you. I don't want to be by you. I'm going to be unclean. But didn't God say that he came to be a rescue person? Every time I do Bible studies with my children, I say, why did Jesus came? And they say, he came on a rescue mission. 
Thank you, Jesus. May it be not us that we would be so religious in our ways that we don't even want to be around the world. In fact, we, the, the Bible says that we need to be a light shining in the dark places wherever you go. One of the reasons I believe that I am still not healed yet is because there is somebody that God wants to touch through my life. And the third chiropractor that I seen, I met a woman who needed a touch from God. And now I pray for her every single night. And I believe God's going to bring a healing touch upon her. May that be us, wherever we go, looking for ways to be God's hand and God's feet. Some people might not ever come into this building. But I looked at that portion of scripture and I thought, man, we could do a better job. Because what is the reason why people don't want to come through these doors sometimes? Hopefully not us. Hopefully not because of our nose in the air. Or maybe we think we're better. Because when I really think about it, and how God brought me here, I am humbled. I was a wretched sinner in need of a savior. How about you? This is what Matthew 9, verse 12 Matthew 9, verse 9 says, I love this. This is a good example. It's when, the, um, it's when Jesus was calling his disciples, he called Matthew. Can you imagine what they felt when they were like, what, Matthew? You're Matthew? He has is, is no right to be one of us, right? And so he's having dinner with Matthew and the tax collectors and the sinners. And it says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I have desired mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Amen. This woman, she was dealing with an issue of blood, meaning she was hemorrhaging. She was losing life year after year after year. There's, there's power in the blood, and there's life in the blood. And this woman was losing her blood. She didn't have a regular cycle in her period. It was a constant. And so she was hemorrhaging a constant flow of blood. And this is where it got personal for me. I'm dealing with a physical weakness. We've established that. But I hear God say, you resemble this woman. And many of the, many of the people in this room resemble this woman in a spiritual way. Because you might not be hemorrhaging physically. You might not be dealing with a physical ailment. But spiritually, you might be hemorrhaging and losing life. And what am I talking about? For me, up until this point, I had a constant flow of insecurity, a constant flow of unworthiness, a constant flow of I'm not good enough, a constant flow of there is not enough of me, there is not enough grace, there is not enough time. And it was a constant flow that I dealt with. And that is exactly what Jesus was saying. It's a spiritual weakness because really, not only 
only a spiritual weakness, but a form of pride. Because you continue to look at yourself. It's your insecurity. Yes, you're insecure in of yourself. But in me, you have everything that you need. Amen? A constant flow, a constant flow. And so when I began to when I began to lay at the feet of Jesus, I realized that I needed to take the focus more off of myself and put it on the power of Jesus. And it it was sure to be something that God wanted to break off of my life because when the prophet came, he told me specifically that there's going to be more than enough. There's going to be more than enough grace for you to raise your children. There's going to be more than enough grace for you to have a beautiful marriage and to be a light for Jesus. There's going to be more than enough grace for you to still to go to work and be called in the gift to preach or teach or love on your sisters whenever you need. There's not going to be not enough time, but there's going to be enough time for you to reach out when somebody needs to know that you're thinking of them and you're praying for them. He's like, I want to give you a different flow. I want to give you a different flow. And for some of you today, you have a constant flow of self-condemnation, a constant flow of negativity. Find out where you're at in this list. A constant flow of a poverty mentality. A constant flow of less than enough. Or of weakness. Or of sickness. Some of us with our online presence, we have a constant flow of opinion. God hasn't asked us and called us to be so opinionated. But we have a constant flow to want to just share what we think and what we feel. It's a constant flow that God wants to break. It's not of God. He's calling us higher. A constant flow of self-righteousness. Constant flow of busyness, of loneliness, of anxiety, of depression. Some of us have a constant flow of double-mindedness. One day you're going to do this, the next day you're going to do that. God says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will direct your path. Amen? we got to break the constant flow. Because you know what, guys? It's, it's, um, it's bringing us to a place where we are losing life, and we are losing life, and we are losing life. And that's not what God has for us. Constant flow of pressure. I feel a release in my spirit because I had so much pressure when it came to my homeschooling. Part of me was like, you know what, just put the kids in, just put the kids in school. (laughs) And then I go to bed and I want to unload on my husband, but I feel guilty because I'm the one who asked for it. And he supported me. And there's many people that have to work full-time, mom and dad working full-time. But I have the blessing of being able to work part-time and be flexible and feasible and still care for my kids. And I realize that God was, God is, is, he wants to use my life to display his glory. And may I not miss it. I want people to see my life and say, wow, how? Jesus. Grace. Grace, grace, grace abounds. Amen. Amen. 
she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. This is verse 26. And had spent all she had. And instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up from behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes because she thought, if I just could touch his clothes, I would be healed. I believe God wants to give us a constant flow of living water. Somebody say living water. Living water. When Jesus met the woman at the well in John 7.37, he talked about living water. He was offering her, what is living water? It's simply an organic, constant flow of a relationship with a very, very good, good God. And he was offering it to her because she tried every counterfeit. Have you tried everything? I've tried everything when it comes to my pain. Ultimately, I know that God is my healer and he is the only one that is going to be able to set me free. But I will walk praising him until I get my breakthrough. Amen. Amen. It says he, he says in John seven thirty seven. He said, whoever thirsts, let him come and drink. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from him. I was reading um, Ezekiel chapter 37, and it talked about the flow of water that started, the streams that flowed, and then it came up to um, his knees, and then it came up, and it came up, and it came up, and it continued to come up. And it was, it was referring to a flow of water, and it said that when the, when the flow went into um, um, like the fountain, that everything in that fountain was living. And I believe that that is a, um, a picture for me and for you that everything in our life can still have life in it if we are connected to the fountain of Jesus Christ. That means no matter what you go through, you can still have life. And it was a red flag that went up in my life in September, October, because God was saying, you're believing a lie. Your, your life is being taken from you. But when you're on the floor stretching out your back, continue to pray and continue to press through and pull from the living water. You're focused and fixated too much on yourself, sister. And I just, I got in the word and I got in the word and, and then whenever I had to wash the dishes, I put my earphones in and I listened to the word. And then whenever I was driving, I I press play on the word I'm like all the way through the book of Acts and I'm just like I'm overflowing I'm overflowing with rivers of living water and I pray in Jesus name that is a picture to you that no matter what you're going through your spirit can still be lifted forget the counterfeits there's nothing there there's nothing that the world has to offer The flow available to you and me comes from a source with unlimitless supply where grace abounds, healing abounds, strength, favor, perseverance for the race abounds when we are connected to the living water. It's an encounter 
with God. It's a relationship that has a steady flow of life, even when life is hard. Come on, ask Auntie Brandy. A steady flow. There's still life. He leads me beside still waters. That's what we know from Isaiah, from Psalms 23. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He doesn't say you're not going to. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That implies to me that we're going to go through some valleys. But God is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in, my, in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will continue to follow you. All the days of your life there will be no lack when we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Society will label us by our pain. I mentioned that. And our problems. But Jesus, he gives us identity. Because this is what he tells her. He says, daughter. We first learned of her as the woman with the issue of blood. But when, he had an, when she had an encounter with Jesus, he called her daughter. Daughter. Somebody say, live by faith. Live by faith. faith. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue rulers. This is what they said. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? That pierced my heart as well. Because some of us, we're believing for some things. I'm believing for some things. My family's believing for some things. I know each one of you, in your personal time with God, you're believing for some things. And you've petitioned God. And you've had encounters with God. Many of you sitting in this room, you've journeyed with God. You know the faith race. You know the ups and downs. And you've been petitioning God for some things. And when I read this scripture and how people came and tapped him and said, your daughter's dead, don't bother the teacher. I thought to myself, in Jesus' name, you cast out and you push aside and you create a boundary that will not allow any lie of the enemy and any person that does not come in agreement with the vision and the dream and the thing that you are believing for in God. Because this is what Jesus says to her. To, to Jarvis, he says, ignore what they say. Don't be afraid, just believe. I'm here to tell you this morning, just believe. I'm here to tell you, keep knocking. I'm here to tell you, keep asking. I'm, I'm here to tell you, keep pleading with the Father. Because God is not a God that he would lie. And his promises are true. His promises are for us. He wants to give us zoe life on, on earth as it is in heaven. Today, the daily bread. And he is a God that is an on-time kind of God. Amen? Amen. 
And so whatever you're believing for, just go through the scriptures. Some of it, it's taken a while. It's taken so long, it seems. But God, his measure of time is outside of ours. His ways are higher than ours. And so if we would just keep pressing, pressing through the crowd, even if it feels suffocating at times, would you dare to be a risk taker? To have so much faith? When she walked through and she went on her way to press in to touch Jesus, I thought of all the other scenarios that could have happened. What if she said, oh man, there's just way too much people. There's just no way I'm going to be getting into that. I'm not going to be able to touch him. No, she pressed. She dared. And she took the risk. Would you dare today to continue to petition God for the salvation of your loved ones, for the healing of your loved ones, for the restoration of your loved ones? Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Be careful to keep unbelief out of your space. Be careful to keep unbelief out of your space. And so the rest of the story goes on. They're, they're on their way. Um, they, they get to um, the house of Jairus, and everybody's, there's all this commotion. They're crying. They're wailing. Um, and Jesus says in verse um, 39, The child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. Could you imagine laughing at Jesus? But then I thought, isn't that me in my unbelief sometimes? Isn't that me in my, in my exhaustion or in my uncertainty or in my fear even? God, are you going to work it out? God, how? There's just like 12 dynamics to this thing. It has to just, has to work out perfect. I would say that's kind of a form of unbelief, of laughing. He says, he goes in the room, he gets everybody out of there except the mom, the dad, and a few of his disciples. And he says to the girl, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. My Bible says she was 12 years old. Somebody say 12. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the correlation that I see between the 12-year-old girl, the sick girl, I'm sorry, the dead girl and the sick woman. And this is very personal to me. The correlation I see is that unless the sick woman gets healed, unless the sick woman gets set free, unless she stops the flow that is causing her to lose life, then the little girl will not live in the fullness of what God has for her. 
Because see, what we need to realize is that it's generational. If God washes over me, if I allow myself to live out my faith, if you allow yourself to live out your faith, mother, father, uncle, auntie, if we allow ourselves to go through what is necessary, whether it's counseling or healing, whatever it is, you know God's tugging at your heart at this very moment. But if you live out your faith, if you go through the hard things now, then Jesus can break generational curses. He can break barriers. He can shift patterns in our family. And we can experience a great move of God. My daughters and my sons will never go through the things that I went through. Because I will do the work to live out my faith. I will do the work to encounter Jesus over and over and over again that I might have rivers of living water flowing through me. Will you live out your faith? Will you live out your faith? Will you live out your faith? Pastor Jay said it last week. Would you, would you have the, the courage? Would you have the audacity? Would you have the boldness to believe that you are who God says you are? Because I'm telling you, that has been a big struggle for me. But I feel God breaking a generational curse. And he wants to do it over your life too. There are gifts and there are talents and there are things that God wants to use you for. And sometimes we get so stuck in our head. And then we get stuck in our head for so long that we've wasted. We've wasted We've wasted time. We've wasted opportunities. And with Uncle Lawrence's passing, it stirred me even more. Another layer, it stirred me that I don't want to waste another moment, but I want the glory of God to be shown through my life. And God wants the glory of God to be shown through your life for His glory, for His salvation, for His light to come upon the world. It's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And he is coming back soon. We hear it over and over and over again each Sunday. And I am so grateful for it because it's, it's a culmination that has stirred my spirit that is telling me there is not a lot of time. And who cares what people think? Who cares what people say? Be all that you can be for Jesus today. Amen. Amen. This is generational. But I believe that this woman's faith was not only generational, but it was, it was used to generate the faith of those right in their circle. And from now on, I'm almost scared to say this, but from now on, may anybody in my circle, may my faith be used to generate anybody in my circle to live out all that God has for them. I think of this woman, and I think of Peter, James, and John. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a little... A little um, 
a little truth that I found with Peter specifically. I love Peter. I relate to Peter. I'm sure many of you, if you study Peter, or if you have, you probably relate to Peter too. I believe that's probably why he was used (laughs) as one of the leaders, because, because we can all relate to Peter. But Peter is in that moment when the woman had come. And he, he's like, what are you talking about? Who touched you? Like, we're all here. It's just, everybody's piled on each other. What are you talking about? He's like, no, power left me. And even that was a truth to me that we can all be in church but not get a touch from God, not be desperate for the presence of God. Be careful that when you walk through those doors, your heart is ready, your heart is tender to receive all of all what God has for you because you can come in these doors week after week after week and you will not grow and you will not be filled if you don't do the work that is required to receive the gift that God has for us. This is just a building. We are a people. Living stones, amen? And so Peter, um, he's there in that moment, and he, the, um, he had front seat tickets to her faith. He knew the risk that she took to encounter Jesus. She, he saw the fear in her eyes. The Bible says that she trembled as she came. First, God, Jesus asked, he's like, who touched me? And nobody said anything. She thought maybe she'd get her blessing and she'd be out. She's like, I'm not even supposed to be here. But she took a risk, didn't she? And so she, um, she built up the courage. Maybe she even realized, man, I can't go. I can't go unnoticed. This was too good. I want, I want to see a face-to-face with him. So she, she had fear in her eyes. And the Bible says she was trembling, yet she came anyway. Did you know that you can still have fear and be full of faith? And that's something that I've been promising God lately. That even in my fear, I'll obey you. Even in my insecurity. Even in my inadequacy. I'll obey you because I know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You can still have faith and fear at the same time. That's how good our God is. He works with us. He's patient with us. God will honor you. So I believe her faith inspired Peter to live by faith because just a few chapters before, they were in a boat coming across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is sleeping on the pillow. And Peter is flipping out. We're going to die. He's waking up Jesus. What? Why are you sleeping? There's a storm. We're going to die. And this is what Jesus tells Peter. He says, do not be afraid. And then he says, do you still not have faith? Oh man, Peter's life stirs me up. So I believe just because that encounter, I believe that that encounter was there and then they cross the Red Sea, they get out, they're going to Jairus' house and on the way to Jairus' house, he's like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta add another layer of Peter's faith. I got some stuff for Peter. So he, 
He does that right then and there so Peter could have front seat tickets to see her faith. Can I tell you that I I don't care who you are, where you're from, what your level of superiority is, God can use your faith to ignite anybody, anywhere, at any time. Isn't that good news? And then... I'm reading through the book of Acts now, and it talks about, and I'm going to close with this scripture. It talks about in Acts 5.15, the apostles heal many. That's the, um, the title of my, in my Bible. The apostles performed many miracle signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Now no one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Here we are. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the bed and the mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as they passed. Peter's shadow? (laughs) The faith, the faith, the faith of this woman. May we live by faith. Are you encouraged this morning? Is your faith stirred this morning? Oh, just lift your hands to heaven as we...